Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 17th of February 2011. Newcomers look into my site cuttingthroughthematrix.com and bookmark all the other sites you see listed there. These are the only official sites I have. And if you find sticking on downloads of the audios, just try these alternate sites because a lot of folk go into the com at the same time and that causes some problems. And while you're there too, remember that you're the audience that bring me to you. I think of this more of a, as an educational show. It's not a show. I even hate the word show because it's like show business. This is not a business and it's not show. It's basically life or death for most people and they don't even know it yet. It's because we go into topics here which are avoided by most and, and then copied by others. But uh, it's essential to understand the system in which you live and to deprogram yourself from the incredible indoctrination you've had from birth right through schooling and then augmented by the media, entertainment industry, and, and so on, because that's what it is. It's a fake reality. You're not living in any kind of republic in the U.S. You're not living in any kind of democracy elsewhere. You're living under a system, a system that has long-range business plans and knows exactly where it's taking the entire planet. And when they mean austerity is coming, they really do mean it, right to the bare bones, basically. I'll be talking about that tonight. So buy the books and the discs I have for sale at cuttingthroughmatrix.com because that helps me just to scrape by here. It's very expensive. As I said, I don't take on advertisers and bring them on as guests, and that's what most folk do. That's how they make their living, and that's okay. But then you're sort of beholding to, beholden to their, their particular products, etc. So you can support me by buying the discs and so on. From the U.S. to Canada, you can use a personal check, remember. You can also use an international postal money order from the U.S. to Canada. Some people send cash. You can use PayPal to order. Use the donation button you'll see there and follow it with an email with your name, address, and order. I'll get it out to you. Cross the rest of the world, Western Union for straight wire transfer. They can also write you a check, I found out too, and you can post that. It's a lot cheaper. And uh, MoneyGram too does the same thing. It's a bit cheaper still. And you can send cash or use PayPal to order or donate from across the world. But we're living in a big, a big Alice in Wonderland kaleidoscopic reality. And it's augmented, as I say. Your indoctrination is continuous throughout your life. And years ago, I used to read how the British communists, and some of them were even in the Church of England, um, one especially was called the Red Bishop, he used to write about perpetual continuing education. He meant continual indoctrination in a scientific manner through using the media and radio and then eventually television, which would update you much like a computer is updated with your programs to make sure that you would always accept the next step that was being planned for you uh, without you even knowing it. And of course, I've gone through a lot of the the information from mainstream media where they admit that governments have hired on whole teams and teams and teams of psychologists and behaviorists and so on, and neuroscientists and neuroeconomists to prepare you 
to go into this world of austerity and willingly and happily pay your taxes without knowing that your subconscious and unconscious, in fact, is being stimulated by buzzwords and terms and repetition and the very same techniques that Bernays used on the public to create the consumer society is now being used on you all to create the new socialized, socialist, world socialist, but run by the, the big banking boys, the, the big money delete on top. That's the society they're bringing in. And I'll be touching on that tonight because they never give up on their big plans. Why would they spend so much time and money planning a future 50 years ago that we're going through now and, uh, and then step back? They don't step back. And when things don't make sense to you because the, the facts don't jive, you know there's a big con going on, an ulterior motive, just like the Soviets used to use. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back and this is Cutting Through the Matrix, talking about uh, things that used to come out from the Soviet Union that made no sense at all to anyone, and what you realize was was simply an agenda, they had an agenda which they were proud of, and often did publish, but they would never back off from anything, they'd come up with crazy things, and, and they'd call everyone else a liar if you disagreed with them, and we see the same technique used, of course, in the environmental movement and those who fund them and those who own them, basically, because all big movements are funded and owned by much higher powers and much more posh and you know very rich people. That's what runs the world, the rich men of the world, who have their own clubs and they have their own associations. They have their own think tanks working for them. They have circles within circles where circles meet other ones, overlap, and not everyone in a particular circle has to know the whole agenda, but those who lead them uh, will actually overlap into the next circle. And that's how it was described by, by Cecil Rhodes and Lord Milner. And they came up, of course, even with the round table societies too, which they have across the whole planet. And they hammer out the details after all the big meetings for the global agenda and come up with the different solutions that may work. And then it's handed to the think tanks, they go to work to find ways to promote it to the public uh, without the public really knowing what the, what the big boys are after. And it's true, it, very, it works very well. They've managed us awfully well for a 100 years. And um, we go off to war. We fight for powers we never understand or even hear about. We don't ask uh, who's going to benefit from the wars, who's plundering the countries you've invaded and taken over. And no one asks any questions. They're proud to get little tin things they stick on their chest called medals. And uh, that's, all they, that's all they know. And uh, that's how the average person really is. We live in a very low-level form of reality, and most people never question it. They never question it at all. And they hear the statements on the news. And by the way, I'd like to say this, this time, too, I've mentioned before, that a big change has come over all the news. We're getting nothing but trivia and trash at the bottom. And what they're doing is keeping the politicians protected from criticism by not telling you what they're up to. Have you noticed that? Everything's so quiet on the political front. They'll give the occasional PR shot of a prime minister or president at some function, and that's about it. But as far as being able to criticize any policy, it's a no-go, because, you see, they're not telling us the policies anymore. 
we're in a big time of change and folk don't know it. And the, the environment too, the environmental movement was one big part of it. You don't know that the environmental movement was joined to the eugenics movement and the cultural change movement, cultural, I should say cultural control movement from the Frankfurt School. They were the ones who brought in the Greenies and promoted them up to the top to help get their agenda through for the entire global society, this Marxist world that you're all going to be run under where multi-billionaires rule over the top of you, which is already here, by the way. But going back to an older article, which I read at the time, it was sent to me by Wise Up Journal, and it was first published in the Register, the Register newspaper, by Faye Ozimek. And it says, and I read this at the time, and it's still the same, it's like, they should get more money today. Government pays the Greens, all the Green movements, the NGOs, to lobby it. So the government's paying to be lobbied. They're paying the groups to lobby the, the government. Because they, they, then they say, oh, well, we wanted to hear that. Yep, you're doing a good job, you see. We want to hear that. We'll pass laws. Government is handing over far too much of her hard-earned cash to environmental campaigners who then use the money to further distort government policy in favor of the interests and ideological preoccupations of narrow special uh, political elites. That's the conclusion of a report. It's taxpayer-funded environmentalism. The PDF I'll put up tonight, too. Uh, the link to it, you can download it for yourself, it's worth keeping. Published this week by the Taxpayers Alliance, the report includes information gleaned from freedom of, of information requests, scrutiny of environmental organisations' annual accounts in the UK, and for a summary of requests for environmental funding compiled by the Economic Union Parliament, this big Soviet that runs over all the little provinces, like places like Britain, it's now a province. The report suggests a total of £10.1 million was given in 2009 to 2010 to environmental groups whose principal aim was lobbying the government for further change, paid by the government. That's your tax money. And actually, this is one country I'm talking about, right? The total breaks down into £2.5 million for various UK councils, departments and quangos, and a further £7.6 million in Europe, uh, European Commission grants. So they also get ones from the European uh, Parliament to environmental NGOs. While this may seem to be exceedingly small beer when compared to total government spending, the Taxpayers' Alliance are keen to point out that the central issue here is one of principle. Organizations such as Greenpeace, for example, are careful not to take government money in order to prevent any conflict of interest. But those named in this report, such as Avalon and Brighton Peace and Environment Centre, through to bigger fish like the World Wildlife Fund and Friends of the Earth, Global Action Plan and the Green Alliance, are less scrupulous. Besides, a true comparison ought not to be government spending, but the sums of money raised by comparable politically motivated pressure groups. On that basis, money passed to lobbyists is highly significant, representing a level of funding that many groups would be unable to raise on their own. They wouldn't get up. They couldn't fill a tin can on their own, and without which they would be unable to continue to function. The Taxpayers Alliance also argues that the sums highlighted are underestimates in two ways. First, it's omitted study groups and organizations that actually appear to deliver some tangible output for government sums received. However, some of these organizations may also be using some of this money for lobbying purposes. The estimates are therefore on the conservative side. 
Second, the Alliance points out that some of the policies lobbied for are several orders of magnitude more expensive than the money dished out in the first instance. For example, of this latest tendency, they cite the Climate Change Act of 2008, which was heavily lobbied for by environmental groups and which government expects to cost between £324 billion and £404 billion. So here they are paying for these guys to lobby the government so the government can then, uh, you know, suck you dry for more cash. It's just it's amazing. But again, it's the agenda. There's only one agenda in the world, folks. As argument goes, this issue is up there with funding for political parties. A great deal of the lobbying that goes on in the UK today would not go on if the government did not pay for it. The government funding of lobby groups according to the Taxpayer Alliance, slows adjustment in direction of policy in reaction to new evidence or circumstances, increases political apathy amongst the public, and forces taxpayers to fund views they may seriously disagree with. Well, I'm sure they'll seriously disagree with that, because it's all a big political agenda, a socio-political agenda. Actually, it's beyond politics, because I like the books put out by the Council on Foreign Relations, who... Do nothing, the average person reading them will think it's, it's nothing but politics, politics and agendas, which it is. But they always put a disclaimer at the beginning of the book saying, we're a non-political organization. You see, they don't play politics. Uh, they make politics. They put their own boys in. They put the agenda through. They don't play politics. So they're quite honest, honest with that. But it says here the sums are dwarfed by the 66 million euro the EU pays out to green groups to lobby itself. An NGO can have 70% of its income paid for by the EU. Nine out, of, nine out of 10 green NGOs take the cash, and FOE Europe increases funding by 325% over a decade, thanks to European taxpayers. Well, that's your democracy, you see, in action, and it's just a big racket. The government's only too happy to pay these characters, that, 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 whose leaders guide all the, the, the little sheep that follow them, uh, to protest, and then they come out with the answer, yes, okay, we'll tax the hell out of all the taxpayers and bring them into austerity. It's a great big con, but it's a very important con to the masters who run the world. They're going to tax you for every little bit of energy that you consume, or how much energy was con- made making that tin of beans there. You're going to pay for that too, energy taxes. And they mean it but bringing you down to austerity. This ties right in with the same cabal at the top, you know. Um, Cancun Climate Change Summit. Uh, scientists call for rationing in the developed world. I've read articles like this before because he came up with an idea. And I read the first article put, put up by a woman in Britain who said, if we can get a World War II scenario where they were, t- they were doing rationing, the people all pulled together for the common good, you know. So global warming is now such a serious threat to, glo- to mankind. Global warming, we haven't had so much snow for years. The climate change experts, people who are better at forecasting should they carry an umbrella that day or, or just put on a T-shirt, you know. That's what climate change expert is. Are calling for a Second World War-style rationing in rich countries to bring down carbon emissions. And they want Second World War-type rationing. This is in a series of papers published by, guess who, the Royal Society, who also get all their funding, again, from governments and so on, and the big institutions and foundations. And there are some Masonic group, too, by the way. Look at the history of it. It's quite fascinating. Francis Bacon joined it as well. You had to put your wife away and children away because you were not allowed to have a mate during that. It was a men-only thing to, almost like priests, in fact, 
And oh, if you got to be a scientist today, you just got to be a member of it. You can't join it. They got to ask you got to get asked to join it to make sure they're the right stuff. You know, you'll lie your face off for for their big agendas. Anyway, it says physicists and chemists from some of the world's most respected scientific institutions, including Oxford University and the Met Office. You know, the ones that put false emails and all that to to lie about global warming. Agreed that current plans to tackle global warming are not enough. Unless emissions are reduced dramatically in the next 10 years, the world is set to see temperatures rise. Here's the old scary stuff again. I've read the articles from these characters before their heads who've said, we always give the public scary scenarios before these meetings come up. It's the only way that we can get them to listen to us. That's what they said. So by as early as 2060s, causing floods, droughts, and mass migration, the usual stuff. As the world meets in Cancun, Mexico, for the latest rounds of the United Nations talks on climate change, the influential academics have called for much tougher measures to cut carbon emissions. In one paper, Professor Kevin Anderson, director of the Tyndall Center for Climate Change Research, a guy who lives on grants in climate change, says the only way to reduce global emissions enough while allowing the poor nations to continue to grow is to listen to this, is to halt economic growth in the rich world over the next 20 years. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. We're back, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix, talking about the nonsense to do with climate change, the big agenda, because it's nothing to do with what they're telling you about. It's a reason to change things. And, and even politicians in Canada at the time, I think McClelland was one of them, said this is a great opportunity, even if the science is all bogus, to bring equality across the world. And you better understand what they mean by equality. It's a total Marxist concept uh, that they're, they're bringing down. All they plummet down to the same level. But these, are, these people themselves who are pushing all this, they won't have to turn down their heating like you will including this, this nutty Professor Anderson, who gets an awful lot of money from, again, various sources and foundations to push this agenda. He belongs to the rights associations and clubs. So uh, he said uh, politicians should consider a rationing system similar to the one introduced uh, the last time of crisis in the 1930s and 40s. It could have been a limit on electricity, so people are forced to turn the heating down, turn off lights, and replace old electrical goods like huge fridges with more efficient, crappy models from China. I added the last part. Food that has traveled from abroad may be limited, and goods that require a lot of energy to manufacture. The Second World War and the concept of rationing is something we need to consider if we're to address the scale of the problem. And then it says um, that halting growth in the rich world does not necessarily mean a recession, really. Well, what are we in now, eh? Or a worse lifestyle. It just means making adjustments in everyday life, such as using public transport and getting, you know, smaller waist-sized pants, I guess, as we get down into the skinny area. And wearing a sweater rather than turning on the heat. You should really say you lot will have to do that, because these guys won't. I'm not saying we have to go back into living in caves, he said, but you probably will. I added that part too. This is how it should be written, you see. Our emissions were a lot less 10 years ago, and that's a lie, and we got by okay then because they've been cutting back and cutting back for years, their emissions. There's hardly any factories left either. And the electricity, they're bringing it in from France. Because, you see, they've got one conglomerate running all energy across Europe. That's the big plan. Marx talked about that. He said eventually you have one organization selling shoes for the whole world. One covering energy, one covering this, one covering, covering that. That's what we've got, folks. 
You see, the bankers created Marxism. It's a great thing for them to do. All they have to do then is get governments to pass laws instead of having to to go from the bottom up, uh, talking to people and getting them to protest. No, they get the back, they get the governments to do it instead, just pass laws and get what they want, and then you have to pay up. Anyway, it goes on and on and on about carbon dioxide and all the rest of it, even though it's all bunkum because it was up and down all the time. And there's too many other scientists from the same universities who've come out and disagreed with all the ballyhoo and the shystering that goes on amongst these characters who are getting awfully big paychecks to keep their farce going. You know, your problem in society isn't just the big guys with the agenda. It's, it's the people within your own groups at, at every level, in every class system who'll sit and rat on the rest and do the dirty deed on the rest for cash. You'll find them everywhere, everywhere. The sneaks, you know, and the thieves, and the ones who will join any invading army to survive and uh, and put the boot to all their fellow citizenry. You'll find it everywhere in every society. But there's certainly an awful lot of them at the top who are awfully well rewarded for what they do. We're so used to seeing the tyrants of the past, and I think that's why they keep putting on little videos here and there on television of Hitler, Mussolini, and Castro, all wearing uniforms. That's what a tyrant is. That's what you're taught. Tyrants today wear business suits. They wear business suits. That's that's how they dress today. And they come in clusters of them, not individually, it's clusters of them. And they work in academia as well, and in science laboratories with their white coats on, your priesthood. That's your scientific socialism they've been pushing for a hundred years, or more. And as they're doing that too, there's articles in the Canadian papers today of how food is skyrocketing and so on, all the usual stuff that we know about. And uh, it ties in with that last article because they said we'd have to start reducing our consumption. That's all round consumption. But here's an article in the U.S. papers too. The U.S. inflation is building. The core CPI doesn't tell the story. This is from the International Business Times. It says core inflation, considered the key measure of U.S. inflation, remains tame. Indeed, since May 2009, month-to-month increases have registered 0.2% or less. For January 2011, it was 0.2% per month-to-month and 1% year-over-year. And then it says here, However, core inflation, which takes out the impact of energy and food prices, is the incorrect measure to look at this in the time period and doesn't tell the whole story. In normal times, food and energy prices are excluded because they're so volatile. When the prices are trending in one direction over a sustained period of time, though, it takes longer to make sense sense to exclude them. For January, January 2011, overall inflation was 0.4% month-to-month and 1.6% year-over-year. Year. Of course, inflation of, of 1.6% is tame, even below target. However, it's still outpacing wage growth occurring uh, in the midst of a tough labor market and perhaps a direct result of loose monetary policy. Therefore, even this model, acceleration in inflation matters. Moreover, as with many economic ma- malaises, uh, food and energy inflation disproportionately impacts the poor. The U.S. poor spend a sizable portion on their income on the necessary uh, of, of energy and heating and, f- and food. 
if prices of these two expenses go up, these people will be put in a very tough spot. Well, they're already in it. Second, inflation for U.S. producers is greater than it is for their finished items uh, that are sold to U.S. consumers. The Philadelphia Region Manufacturing Survey, for example, revealed the index for input prices rose 13 points February 2011, while the index for prices received the final goods rose just 4%. So it's going up, and they're calling it inflation, of course, but there's many words for the same thing. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix. Another thing to talk about tonight is, is, is pretty important too is the fact that um, the big boys, when they passed the, the GATT treaty, even when they created the World Trade Organization, this big star chamber that decides who trades with whom and who's excluded from trading and so on, you see free trade is not free at all. It's, it's really a monopolization of trade by a few. And uh, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting to understand that they knew they were going to take the jobs away from the Western world, definitely from America and Canada, and uh, set it up in China. That's what enabled it to happen. They refunded, the taxpayers funded the factories to move to China under that agreement, under the GATT Treaty, and we're still paying for any losses they claim they incurred on the way before they get up to full production capacity. So we've been really suckered all along by this big private, uh, the private company that owns the planet. And governments are simply employed by them to do what they're told to do. But here's an article here that tells you that uh, they didn't sit back and say, well, all our businesses will crash once manufacturing is gone. They found ways to save the main ones, their own ones, you see. They're not stupid at the top. I keep saying that, and people can't really believe it. They're not stupid people at the top. They, they hire think tanks to look at the future and trends and all the rest of it, and even trends to do with, with the things they do themselves. They make the first move on the chessboard, what will happen. They go through the whole scenario before the first piece is even moved, all the what-ifs. It says, business is booming. America's leading corporations have found a way to thrive, even if the American economy does not recover. This is very, very bad news. It says, um, uh, when he was CEO of General Electric in 1998, Jack Welch pithily summarized his vision for corporate America. Ideally, you'd have every plant you own on a barge to move with currencies and changes in the economy. Since then, corporations have discovered that they don't need barges in order to unmoor themselves from the American economy. As corporate profits skyrocket, even as the economy remains stalled in a deep recession, Americans confront a new, grim reality. Our corporations don't need us anymore. I've been saying that for years. They don't need us anymore. Half their revenues come from abroad. Their products increasingly come from abroad as well. Consider, for example, the crucial role that a company called Foxconn plays in America, American economy. Scarcely any Americans had ever heard of Foxconn until a wave of worker suicides shook its immense factory complex in China's city of Shenzhen last spring. Within the space of a few months, ten workers inside the company's walled-off Longua Industrial Village, a 1.2-square-mile development where 400,000 employees live and work, killed themselves. 
What made the stories particularly troubling, though, were the revelations about Foxconn's place in the American industrial system. As to the long Gua plant that Apple's iPhones and iPods are manufactured, why is what, that is why Langua is also referred to as iPod City. At Langua and Foxconn's other Chinese factory complexes, 937,000 employees also make computers for Dell, games for Nintendo, and several products for Hewlett Packard. Indeed, the number of Foxconn employees who assemble these companies' products often exceeds by a wide margin the number of workers these companies employ directly in the United States. At Apple, the ratio of Foxconn employees that work on Apple's products to U.S.-based Apple employees is 10 to 1. At Foxconn workers to 25,000 Apple workers is, is also it's way down to. This is the same ratio exists at Dell. The role that even the most widely admired American companies such as Apple, Hewitt Packard, and General Electric have played in offshore American jobs has long been a subject of controversy. Their zeal for offshoring has lowered the prices of the goods Americans buy while increasing our trade deficit, shrinking our manufacturing sector, and flattening our wages. But to look at the employment numbers at Foxconn, Apple, Dell, or IBM, whose total worldwide workforce expanded from 329,000 employees in 2005 to almost 400,000 in 2009, while its U.S. workforce shrank from 134,000 employees to 105,000, is to come away with an even more disquieting thought. With each passing year, and even more so during the, the recession, America's leading corporations grow more and more decoupled from the American economy. Their interests grow increasingly detached from those of our workers, our consumers, and our economic future. The growing detachment is certainly reflected in the revenues. In 2001, 32% of the income of the firms on Standard & Poor's Index, index of the 500 largest publicly traded U.S. companies, came from abroad. By 2008, that figure had grown to 48%. Although precise figures on offshoring are unavailable for either companies or governmental bodies, the evidence of the growth of offshore is overwhelming. In 2008, survey of 1,600 companies conducted by Duke University's Fuku School of Business and the Conference Board, a group of leading corporations, found that 30, 53% had an offshoring strategy, up from just 22% in 2005. Very few companies, the survey concluded, planned to relocate activities back to the United States. And if you're not a manufacturer, you're just a consumer. And what you've been told now, we've got to stop consuming so much. You've got to be a steer, etc., etc., etc. Now, these articles, too, remember, I put up at cuttingthroughthematrix.com at the end of the night. And it takes a while to put it all up there, but uh, uh, it's worth looking into all this for yourself for the future. And, and also to understand what's really happening. Because we've been taken right down, right, right down. And they've just started, really, folks. And I, how do you say that? It's not, it's not that I want to bring gloom and doom. I'm just telling you the agenda. Because I've read their agenda at the top. I've read all the, the top characters and how much they hate the American system. These same characters thrived off the American system for long enough. But they don't like it anymore, you see. They, they want this global Marxist-type system to run the entire planet with themselves being the, nat- the natural Darwinian benefactors. Uh, 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 that's how they see themselves, sort of Darwinian benefactors. You know, the, a benevolent dictatorship basically running the world. That they're better suited than these awful democratic governments that bicker all the time about rights and stuff like that. That came out, remember, from the Club of Rome when they said 
democracy is too cumbersome with too conflicting, too many conflicting parties to get anything done, meaning the agenda. They couldn't get the agenda through. So we're now post-democratic, they said. And I hope you realize we are. We really are post-democratic. All we get now is dictates from the top coming down, just like the old Soviet Union and just like Britain used to be as well. The department of so-and-so has decided yada yada. Then the other department has decided yada yada yada. And that's how it's announced to the public today. This is a new form of governance, you see. Now, there's a caller hanging on the line there. It's Patrick from Ontario. Hello, Are Mr. you there, Watt? Patrick? Yeah. How are you doing? Not too bad. Yeah. Still uh, still hanging on by the skin of your teeth? Skin of the teeth is the word, that's for sure, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, was, uh, I was calling tonight, uh, actually, uh, to discuss uh, the nature of this war that we're born into, um, as opposed to just uh, uh, the news, uh, which I find, uh, just like you're saying, really it's just the agenda uh, dished out in, in doses of mind control that, you know, they determine the sheep will be edible to them, uh, yeah. you know. More people are getting sick. Uh, the experts say it's a big mystery. Everyone's poor. The experts say it's a big mystery, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which leads to uh, data overload, uh, of course. Um, so um, one of the things I'm thinking of is uh, the fact that most of my generation is is gone mentally. It's like I'm living in a, a zombie movie. I'm, I'm 21, and, and far too much time uh, and energy has gone into domesticating these people, and to them... The, the preservation of their perception of reality is the greatest priority, greater than their survival, their family, anything. Um, and you can't really help these people because they can't help themselves. Um, and it's interesting, I know, I think uh, I heard you once talking about uh, a study somewhere saying that less educated people are less uh, brainwashed or less propagandized. And, well, I guess that's a logical conclusion. I've noticed working, when I've worked like construction with people that haven't gone to university or from a different country, even if they're not thinking or even if they're not researching, they have a much easier time of seeing through all the lies that everyone else uh, has such a hard time uh, seeing through. But um, one of the things I was thinking about is this aerial spraying that, uh, that is going on. It, it, while it in itself is horrifying, what I find truly horrifying is that no one, no one can see it. They cannot no. see it. Uh, they will not see it. And, uh, and that, that is what terrifies me. And... Um, you know, I've, I've gotten over the initial shock of that because when you're dealing with an emergency, which is what we are doing, uh, you can do nothing, which is bad. You can panic, which is bad. Or you can try to stay calm, understand the situation, uh, and then take action. Um, uh, another another uh, idea is, um, like you've been talking recently about the horror stories of all these scientists and their experiments and all the atrocities that they have no problem committing. Um, well, what we're living through is these people using the whole world as their lab for, yep. their, for their GMOs, for their spraying, their nanotechnology, their harp. Uh, and, of course, the greenies are nowhere to be seen on this because the professors haven't told them to get upset about it. That's right. Um, and, uh, and, and one thing that um, – another thing I was thinking about is that we truly are living through the, the final stages of this plan that was that's come up a long, long time ago. But it is the final stage. It's not the end. And this is the time when the people who do understand what's going on and who do value life and freedom. This is the time when we need to act, not when we have a, a goon at our door saying, oh, there's a pandemic, take this injection. You know what I mean? This, this is the time. Uh, there's that quote, how, how we burned in the gulags, that we didn't meet them at our, our doors, uh, et cetera. Um, and uh, one, uh, a video on YouTube, it's about two minutes. I don't know if you've had a chance to see this, Mr. Watt. Um, it's from uh, 
we are change, and I know how you feel about groups, and, and I agree with you, it's uh, very smart, but if you go to YouTube and you type in, we are change, Dick Cheney, it's like a two-minute video, and it's a perfect synopsis of society, just as you were describing earlier, how uh, tyrants today wear suits, and, yeah. uh, and I, remember, I remember you once before talking about that chipmunk grin that the yeah. psychopaths with no empathy have, and that is, that is the perfect, perfect way to describe it. And in this video, there's Dick Cheney, uh, and uh, this uh, this guy, I think his name is Luke. I uh, forget his last name. Approaches him and he asks him. He asks him about on September 11th when he issued the order uh, to stand down, and that was testified uh, mm -hmm. at the 9/11 uh, commission. That's in the video. You can see the testimony of this. Um, and while he's asking him this question, there's the masses around him who generally don't have an idea what's going on. There's the goon security guard pushing the kid out of the way, feeling like a big man. Um, and then there's the propagandized sheep. As, as, uh, as this guy is asking him, what, what were you doing on 9-11 when you issued your stand-down report saying that he's a terrorist, essentially? There's this woman saying, thank you, Mr. Cheney. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, fighting to keep this, uh, this illusion real. And the door closes as you see the, the chipmunk grin on this, on this psychopath. And that, that mm -hmm. is the problem, that these psychopaths wear their chipmunk grins because they are safe. They are, they are secure. Well, we're, we're worrying about, oh, they're doing this, they're doing that, they're watching us. These people are perfectly secure and happy, and that's the problem because these people, you know, that, that man should be afraid that one of the victims of the murders that he was complicit in should go into that elevator while the door closes and remove the smile from his face. Mm -hmm. so, so, yeah, that's really yeah. That's And really that's when they are. should have taken action. It's true, as Solzhenitsyn said it, he said it when the NKVD, the, the precursor of the KGB, I uh, used to come in at night and grab people in their homes and from their homes and turn out the whole street to witness it. That was part of their plan to terrify everyone else. He says that that's when we should have grabbed the pickaxes and the, and the shovels and, and hit them right then. He says once you allow it to happen, uh, in no time at all, we adapt it so quickly. Uh, and that's what happened with 9-11 too. The whole Patriot Act and the whole Congress was told, don't read it. Anyone who reads this Patriot Act before agreeing with it and signing on to it, is, is basically a traitor. That's what they were, they were telling them. To, yeah, no, to, we're, we're being walked right into the mud, as you Yeah, said. And, and unfortunately, the, 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 they have unraveled the, the whole uh, kit and caboodle of, of uh, anti-terrorism laws across the whole planet. That tells you the coordination across the world. I mean, that never happened in any previous war. The whole world's unfurled the same laws. They must have been planning these for 50 years uh, between different governments. And everyone's under observation, under the spy program. Uh, we're all watching the, the, last, uh, the last remnants of whatever was called democracy being stripped away. It's actually gone. It's actually gone already. And uh, it's not going to come back now you, you, by, by being nice and saying, please give it back to us. It's not going to happen. They don't play fair. You're going no. to vote someone in? He's going to bring you change? He's going to bring you hope? Yeah, how'd that work out? Well, the only change you get now is a few cents out of the dollar in your pocket after buying something. I mean, that's it. Before tax. That's before tax. But um, you're right on with this. Uh, it's, they're dead serious about this. This is a war on the public, and the public haven't figured that out yet. This is a real war, and these guys are utterly ruthless. And whatever it takes, I've said before, whatever it takes to, to get it through, they will do it. Yeah. And, and uh, it's, it's important that you touch on that because there's many people, even with um, – uh, who are who? Let's say they're asleep, but if they're open to the possibility, when presented with sourced information, they will make the conscious choice that no, I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to open that Pandora's uh, box. And when when you when you're faced with with these ruthless psychopaths mm -hmm. that needs to harden your resolve, 
if you want to survive, if you want free humanity to survive. That can't that cannot break you because then there's there's no hope for any of us. Right. But I know every every second on the show is precious. Uh, thank you for taking my call, Mr. Watt. Uh, God bless you, and uh, hopefully I'll talk to you soon again. Sure enough. Yeah, thanks for calling. And chemtrails, yeah, tonight I'll put up to a list of the patents I've gone through over the last, oh, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 years for stratospheric aerial spraying programs. And it's from the Sovereign Independent, and, and it was first published, I think, in 2010. But so you, you can go through all the patents for yourself that they've, they've put up there. I'm also putting up another link to the symptoms that have been reported over the years with chemtrails. And uh, terrible, terrible symptoms, and no doubt lots of deaths too. But I'm going to put up too an article about um, the chemtrail testing, which they were doing back in the 1960s. And this is to do with a government inquiry into afterwards in the 1990s, where they admitted, and this is a video, you can watch it for yourself, uh, they actually admitted spraying the people with cadmium sulfate from the air, they actually released canisters off the sea as well, and it blew into the coastline across the land. And they had vans driving through laneways and, and uh, streets uh, with this stuff coming out the top, this invisible gas coming out the top. And they went on and on and on for a few years with this stuff, watching the health of the public and testing it. And even when they disclosed this under the Freedom of Information Act, only because of one guy who was like a terrier at it trying to get the information, even when they disclosed information, they, they lied too and said they didn't think it was harmful at that time to the public, even though in their own governmental records back in the 1930s, they knew that it was highly carcinogenic. So they're utter liars at the top. And they tried to use the Cold War as an excuse for testing this stuff over a, a big chunk of England. They did it in Scotland too by the way, in other places as well. But uh, it's, you, you're worried about the Chinese, you're worried about the Soviets in that time. Nonsense. I mean, here's your government spraying you with poisons, and because you're a national health service, they can check on the symptoms as people die off, they get mutations, they get leukemias, they get cancers of all kinds, and they know exactly what they're doing. This is no mistake. So I'll put this link up tonight from, from the, the chemtrail tests in the 1960s. And um, it was a BBC report, by the way, a documentary that was done on it, and I'll put that up. So patents and uh, the effects and what they did in the 1960s onwards. Back with more after this break. We're back, cutting through the matrix. As I say tonight, I'm also putting up the links to the chemtrails and the patents. There's dozens and dozens of patents that the big, you know, the psychopathic scientists are only too happy to get their grants for and make their name in history by finding ways to, you know, sterilize, kill, and maim populations like yours, for instance. And uh, also put up the symptoms that have been reported from many of the chemtrails uh, spraying that's gone on over the years, and also uh, the documentary from the BBC. Uh, and I've read the article before many times on here, but Norwich getting sprayed over the years, but this is the first time I've seen the DVD on it. And I'll put that up too. It's from the BBC. And it says the BBC Inside Out Special, documenting the spraying of zinc, cadmium sulfide. And that's all they've admitted to. They were doing other stuff with it too. That's the only chemical that they've admitted to on Norwich during the 60s. It's also East Anglia too, big chunk of England. 
It says, although it was not tested for toxicity by British Ministry of Defence, zinc cadmium sulphide was already known to be poisonous and carcinogenic at the time, as is admitted in the documentary. There's no way uh, how potent down bioweapons experts could not have known that. And by the way, they were using it in the U.S. too. You'll see a, a U.S. officer who kind of blew the whistle on it, and they found they were using it in the U.S. as well. But at least he came out and asked the right questions as to why are we poisoning our own people? So it says, um, so why was cadmium chosen for the test when they knew what it, what it really did? And it says, and more relevantly, why wasn't cadmium, was cadmium also being used by other governments in their own tests? After all, that's the excuse given by the British government to justify their own usage of cadmium. Well, they're using it in the States, and they're using it here, so why can't we use it? You know, that's how they justify everything now. You know. Oh, they're raising taxes in Greece, so we should do the same. Yadda yadda. These questions are made even more relevant when taking the more recent chemtrailing into account. The fact is, if you were actually planning to poison a public en masse for accelerated population reduction in the post-industrial world, mass deficit unemployment age, you would need to take longitudinal testing on the health impacts of your bioweapons. So you'd conduct hundreds of tests decades prior to the real operation, and during those decades you'd collect data on the health effects of the spraying, using cadmium and probably all of the other chemicals that are being used today, such as ammonium, uh, aluminum, aluminum I should say, or, or barium, which they're, test, which they're using now uh, since steadily since 1998 on uh, most of us. Uh, Definitely, pretty well, I'd say definitely on a daily basis, in fact. I I see storm clouds, and when they disappear, there's all the trails above them still there, still still lingering there. It's just amazing. And um, so I'll put that up, and also put a a link up to familiesagainstcancer.org, because they also touch on the Norwich test. A lot of the people came down with cancers in the area. and, And you are taught to vote for your government. You don't even know what your governments are. You really, really don't. You've been taught a utter lie as to what governments are all about. An absolute lie. And then the, the media doesn't help you much either. Mind you, with data overload today, most folk can't retain what they hear about anyway. And the government's pretty confident on that with all the studies they've done to see how data overload affects the average person's memory. Never mind the chemtrailing, never mind the massive broadband and microwave interference you're getting in your skulls all the time as well. And I've got a lot of data about that that I haven't touched on. Lots of data from the laboratories themselves. From Hamish, who's the dog, by the way. People think you're asking who's Hamish. He's my pooch. And myself from Ontario, Canada, is good night and may your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>